G'day to our crew online. Everybody in the house, say g'day to our crew online. Go, hey! There you go. Welcome, everybody. It's lovely to be with you. My name's Justin. I'm part of the team here at WBC, and we've been talking about good habits, good habits, not the Ed Sheeran habits, the good habits, the habits that actually help us, shape us, mould us into the design that God has for us. We are known from our mother's womb. Psalm 139 says that. He has a good and perfect plan for us. We know all of that because, of course, Pastor Stan preached that so perfectly and got his, got his coffee mug sorted last week, so he's had his good coffee mug out with his good scripture on it this week, which has been great. Uh, actually, that's why I give him paper cups because he's such a good pastor, he writes a new scripture scripture on it each and every day. It's true. It's true. Isn't it? I think that's true. Should be true. Anyway, we're talking about habits. On your seat, you'll see a piece of paper. Now, paper is an ancient thing that you can write on and, uh, and, and you can do all those things. However, however, in last week's message, we talked about Bible reading. Bible reading, right? Which feels like it might be just one of those things that the preacher's got to say. You've got to read the Bible. Everyone kind of, if you're coming into a Christian gathering, someone's going to say something about the Bible. That seems reasonable, logical and whatever. But we've taken it a step further because we think that the easier we can make it for all of us to gather around the Word together, the better it will be for the whole church. So Simon has put it on the app here and you can scan this whole image thing as it comes up. This next image, can we grab that one? There it is right there. You can hold your phone up right now, grab that, and it will help you load the app, the WBC app. You ever wondered, is there an app for that? The answer in WBC is yes. Yes, there absolutely is. And the beauty of that is when you click on that app, you don't even have to get your Bible out because the beautiful thing is you just click the link and it takes you straight to the Scripture. And of course, right now I can't find mine, but there it is. It's in the notes. If you jump in it and it's in the notes right there and you can go down on the Habits Quiet Time Week 2 and Monday is Matthew 16, 13 and it comes up with a Scripture that Pastor Deanna stole from the sermon I'm about to preach. <laughs> which I was greatly encouraged by. I opened it up and went, oh, oh, she's got access to the same Bible I do. Isn't that fantastic? Pastor Deanna has curated six days of reading for us. Very short scriptures, but it'll speak to the habit that we're going to speak to today, which is the habit of going to church, attendance, everybody's just rolling their eyes going, how's the irony? You're standing in front of several hundred people and online as well. There's about, as far as we know, there's about 750 people taking part in this gathering right now in person and online. And, uh, and you're telling us to go to church. Well, yeah, sort of, but I want to tell you why. Because if you've been coming for a while, there's a good chance you might have just made a habit of it and it's just in the diary somewhere or mum and dad dragged you or your partner dragged you. I know, I know as well as you do that there are people sitting in this room right now, they're only here because their partner said to them, you are coming to church. <laughs> and you tried really hard. Did you just say Pastor D? <laughs> just a minute. Dear Lord, we just ask for forgiveness. I touched the hair, sorry about that. It's the anointed hair. He's in trouble now. You, hurl <laughs> to you all, you are doing the dishes. That's it. So let's do it. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, so let's do it. Full of belief, 
confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going, okay? What we're gonna be talking about today is some of these things that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshipping together, which is what we're doing now. We are attending a meeting. We are worshipping together. We are gathered together as the church, okay, in person and online. We are not avoiding it. So congratulations to you, Hazar. You get a donut, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. The big day approaching. It's kind of this sense of, is there something just around the corner? But here's what we believe at our very core, that Jesus came, did what he did for us. He actually is who he said he was. He did what he did by living amongst us, dying a cruel death, being resurrected on the third day. And because of that, we have a hope that is an anchor for our soul. And we believe he will come again. That's pretty wild right there. That's a pretty wild claim right there. But that's the very reason we are gathered here today. So do not avoid worshipping together. So I'm going to ask you a quick question. Are you a Christian? If you were to answer yes or no, do you know if you're a Christian or not? Do you know if you're a Christian? A lot of people are like, yep, that's an easy one to answer. Some people are like, no, not really. Some people are like, I'm just checking you out because I think you guys are weird and I want to report it on my social media. <laughs> here's, here's what a Christian is. One who worships Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah and the son of the God of Israel. There is a couple of acknowledgements. If you say you are a Christian, this is what you do. You worship Jesus of Nazareth, the real person who really came, fully God, fully man, in the flesh, lived amongst us, and was the Messiah, came to save, and had a storyline wrapped up in Israel. So that's what happens if you're a Christian. Now, the church, different form different form. Are you part of the church? Here's what the church is. Followers of Christ who derived their identity and mission from Jesus and understood themselves to be the eschatological, I knew I was going to do that. Pastor in, okay? Eschatological. Is that eschatological? Is that the same in Tongan? Eschatological community of God eschatological. Isn't that great? The idea that there's an end game to this, that down the track Jesus is coming back, we actually believe, in a sense, was it Pastor D that said it this week? We're all preppers. Every one of you is prepping for the end of days. It's kind of weird when you say it like that. But honestly, the whole thing is our identity and our mission is derived from the personhood of Jesus. But together, we become the ecclesia, the church. When there's more than one Christian in a spot, the church starts to happen. Because being a Christian is something that you can decide to do. You just are that. Maybe it's an identity. Maybe it's written down on a card somewhere. Maybe, maybe it's just something you identify as when people say, what, what religion are you? And you say Christian, but it doesn't mean much more than that. You can do that by yourself. But as soon as you come together, you become the ecclesia. You become the church. So there's a couple of descriptions of the church. If we go to the next one, it says this, the church, the universal church, all believers across the world understood as if a singular assembly, sometimes of all believers throughout time. That's kind of cool. You belong to something that has existed right throughout time. Since Jesus set this thing in motion, you are part of a two millennia storyline. 
You are the church. Give yourselves a little hand. Well done. Just in case you were feeling old today, just count yourself two millennia old. That's exciting. <laughs> but how's this one? The church was a movement. It was a movement that arose after Jesus' resurrection. The members of the early church sought to adhere to the confession of Jesus as Lord in the midst of an idolatrous, pluralistic culture. Just hold on that one for a second. Can we go back to that one? So, so okay, two millennia ago, a movement that sought to adhere to the confession of Jesus, our identity and our mission, in the midst of an idolatrous, pluralistic culture. In the midst of a pluralistic, idolatrous culture. Here's what hasn't changed. The story. It just hasn't. So, one of the key reasons to gather together is Jesus started a movement that could change the world. Because if you get a whole bunch of people to get their mission and identity from Jesus, the man God who, who, who lived amongst us, who lived a perfect life, if you can get people to identify with Jesus and chase after the things of Jesus, suddenly you are very political but completely apolitical. We are not right wing or left wing, we are just Jesus people. We are, not, we are not this style of governance or that style of governance. We're just chasing after the things of God because we believe he set things in motion on the earth that we can bring into right alignment. There's a lot of fights going along around the planet right now and I guarantee you that even though people would be using the Lord's name in vain and claiming God is on their side, where there is pain, where there is terror, where people are using this to, to, to hold people down and keep them in chains, they are not preaching the truth of Jesus Christ because they're not bringing freedom to people. This gospel actually brings freedom to our hearts. That's what it does. That's what it does. That's why we say... <laughs> My chains are gone, I've been set free. That's why we say that. We don't say that just because it sounds like a nice idea. We say that because it's the truth. Where God's name is being used to abuse and hold down people and control them, it's being used incorrectly because there is a beautiful movement that started that gave freedom to the Christians amongst a, amongst a, 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 a leadership that was governing over them and holding them down. And we're just talking about Rome right now. And Rome hasn't changed much. It's all still pretty much the same. We are living in between cultures. We are not of this world just passing through. And so if we chase after the things of Christ and our mission and our identity is found in him, then the church can actually move together and make a difference. Check this out. It says, as family members who had been included in the new church of God, early Christians strove for unity around the gospel which was portrayed vividly in the Lord's Supper. Which of course, was it Michelangelo was there or Da Vinci? Who painted that? Doesn't matter. One of those famous people. He was there, he painted that selfie of Jesus and his mates at the Last Supper. Unity around the gospel. Sorry, I just have to note here that my wife is an art historian and is staring me down right now. She cannot, <laughs> she cannot believe that I second-guessed on that one. I'm a preacher, it doesn't matter. The unity around the gospel is an audacious unity. It is audacious to think you could gather unity around an idea. Because it's not just an ideology, it's an idea that Jesus was the perfect 
man, that we can follow him, that we can understand grace, mercy, truth, justice, all of those things just by asking what would Jesus do, by reading his word, by understanding what he said to us and how he started this movement. Unity around the gospel is a complicated, complicated thing when you get more than one person in the room. And that's why so many of us give up on the idea of going to church because going to church puts me in the, puts me in the line of fire of really complicated, annoying people. Just testify if that's you. Okay, just me alone on the platform. That's all right. But there's a beautiful idea that if we were to gather together and encourage one another and lift each other up and be inventive in the way that we do that. Remember Hebrews 10. Be as inventive as you can in showing hospitality and love and grace. If you could do that, then you could find unity around one singular idea. I guarantee you that we would disagree on politics and all sorts of things. There's a million ways to blow a room up when it comes to conversation. But can you say that Jesus is Lord? Do you confess that Jesus is Lord? Now we've got unity. Now we've got a place to start. Ephesians put it this way. It says, he is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the centre of all of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. And I love the way this is written in the message translation of the Bible. The church is not peripheral to the world. It is central. It is right through the middle. The God storyline through creation is right through the middle. And people keep walking away from him and going past him and almost getting there and whatever. And God's line is just right through the middle as a steady constant. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he says, I am here for the troubled one for the broken one, for the messed up one. And that's why we come together because a bunch of imperfect people coming together around a perfect gospel creates unity and beauty. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence, with his presence. Every one of us needs a turning point to start moving towards this space of unity. Your turning point is what you have witnessed. So the the, the common thing is maybe you were raised in church and your parents just took you to church or whatever. The culture said that's what we did. And at some point, usually in your teenage years, you've started to think, why am I here? What is this about? And that's where we say, you know, you've got to go on your own search. You've got to go after the things of God and discover them for yourself because you've got to witness the goodness of God for yourself. Some of you that didn't grow up in these spaces have come to these spaces because of what you have witnessed. And I find people that have witnessed the goodness of God often come into churches and go, these people look really bored. Don't they understand how good God is? And that's why we need reminders all the time of what you have witnessed, of your testimony. What is it that you have witnessed? I love this scripture uh, that speaks about what happened just after Jesus, you know, raised a guy from the dead. Okay, anyone done that lately? Raised a guy? He just raised his, raised his mate Lazarus from the dead. Fairly famous story. And it says that was the turning point for many of the Jews who were with Mary. Mary, remember Mary and Martha were there. They saw what Jesus did and believed in him. They saw what he did and believed in him. They witnessed something and that was their turning point. But some went back to the Pharisees and told on Jesus. I love that. The high priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Jewish ruling body. What do we do now, they asked. This man keeps on doing things and creating God signs. How dare he? If there's a dumb thing to dob on your friend for, there's a dude over here doing really good stuff but he's stealing our 
our, our attention. And then they went on to postulate about this. If we let him go, if we let him go, pretty soon everyone will be believing in him and the Romans will come and remove what little power and privilege we still have. What's wrong with any organisation that focuses on the wrong stuff? They focus on the power and the privilege and power and privilege ends up corrupting and corrupts, corrupt governance and corrupt leadership gets overtaken and falls apart because that is never a sound model for good governance and for looking after a group of people. These Pharisees were so worried about losing their power and their influence that they went and said, we've got to stop Jesus doing good things even in God's name. Then one of them said this, it was Caiaphas, the designated chief priest that year, he spoke up, don't you know anything? Can't you see that it's to our advantage that one man dies for the people rather than the whole nation be destroyed? Pretty good. He didn't say this of his own accord, but as chief priest that year, he unwittingly prophesied that Jesus was about to die sacrificially for the nation and not only for the nation, but so that all God's exiled, scattered children might be gathered together as one people. The exiles gathered together. What have we got in common? We were outside of his grace, outside of his love, outside of his kingdom. And because of Jesus, we get to be inside of his grace and inside of his love and inside his kingdom. And we get to carry this hope and we get to share this hope because scattered people gathered in his name creates an audacious unity. So however scattered you feel right now, remember that you belong to something bigger than you. Not just Christian by yourself, but church together. You need a turning point. You also need a hunger. You need a hunger for more. What's your appetite? What's your appetite? Now, this is a famous scripture from Acts chapter 2 and 42, and it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to, the, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Their appetite was huge. And so they kept meeting together and they kept giving things away and they kept... Uh, uh, see this? The apostles' teaching. This was already the, the young church starting to form. They already had people that they understood had this gift of teaching and this gift of, of, of leadership. And so they were adhering to the apostles' teaching. They weren't just gathering for the sake of gathering. They were gathering around the word and around the witness of the apostles. And they were starting this idea, this movement that they had a great hunger for. But that great hunger has to mature. That great hunger has to mature. So you need a turning point, you need a hunger, and you need a maturing unity. And that's the habit of gathering together. Because the maturity of unity says that even though I feel like I don't want to be here, even though I feel like there's a person in the room who sinned against me or, or there's, there's some, some sounds, some smells, some whatever it is, there's reason I am hurt this week and I, and I can't be with those people. Even though a whole bunch of walls can go up around our hearts, the habit is as we mature in unity, we say to ourselves, nah, nothing's getting in the way of getting together with the saints. Nothing's getting into that. Because my witness, what I witnessed is God being good. And what I hungered for was more of that. And so I'm gonna turn this into a habit of maturing unity. And the, the verse goes on to say that every day, 
they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They met together. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff that has happened to lead up to this point, but I encourage you to get into your devotion and check it out. Acts 2, everyone goes to Acts 2 and says, that's what the church should be like. We should all just be giving and giving and selling what we have and giving it to the poor and we should all do that. Here's what happens. The humans get overzealous at this point. And later on in the book of Acts, they have a thing called the Jerusalem Council because they realise that their overzeal has actually left a bunch of people out. How many people know that the church is not doing a good enough job of whatever you think they should be doing a better job of? The church is not doing a good enough job of fill in the blank. I don't need you yet, Suze. But I love you. The church is not doing a good enough job of that. And so you think the church should be doing. Anyone use that phrase? The church should be doing. Anyone use this phrase? The problem with the church is. Anyone audacious enough to give that one a crack? Tell you what's wrong with the church. Chesterton said it this way, what's wrong with the world? And he said, dear sir, I am. If, if you want to rag on the church, that's okay. It's, it's a really big target. It's easy to rag on. Some bad leadership, some messed up finances, some poor morality. It's pretty easy to find things to throw stones at. But, 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 if you're a Christian and you want to be part of the ecclesia, then you have to take the trouble of the church and own some of it yourself. Because the church is not Werribee Baptist Church. This is one very, very tiny part of the church. But this group of people can do one or two things really well. And the group of people meeting down the road, they can do one or two things really well. And the group of people just around the corner, they can do one or two things really well. And that's why when we get together, we actually have a minister's network that we try really hard to get together because we wanna hear what other congregations are doing. This is just one congregation of the church. So if there is something that the church is failing at, if there is something that we are not doing well, chances are there might be another congregation doing that really, really well. Because one group of people cannot do all of the things. But most of us, when we talk about the church, we end up with that universal kind of comment. We start to talk about the church as if, you know, just saying the church represents one idea. It doesn't. It doesn't. And anybody that's been around for a while understand that. So here's my question to you. What was your turning point? Because you need to remind yourself of what your turning point was. What was it that you witnessed? For me, church is many, many things. I love doing church this way, in person and online, on a Sunday morning. It's carved out in the diary. This is what we do with Sunday mornings. If we are somewhere else in Australia or around the, wherever we are on a Sunday, I'll try and find a church. If I can't get the kids out of bed and into a church, I'll just flick the tally on now because I can get church online. It's an amazing thing. But whatever I can do to gather with the saints, I will do. Let me just share a couple of thoughts with you so that you don't think the pastor standing up there telling us I have to show up to this building and that's what church is. No, what I'm telling you is you have to gather with the saints. You have to gather with the saints because you need to go for this audacious unity. When I stopped and I thought about some of my great memories of church gatherings. I remember being in Alice Springs. I was speaking at a youth conference up there for a bunch of Baptist churches and Jody had come with me. And for, and for the Sunday morning, they decided that they were going to do a sunrise communion. 
a sunrise communion in Alice Springs, for heaven's sake. One of the most beautiful places on, on this continent and right now a place you should pray for the Alice. You should pray for the Alice and you should pray for the churches in the Alice, just by the way. I've had some friends contacting me from there. There's a huge push by the church in, in the Alice to try and bring health and well-being into that city. But we sat there and they said, we're gonna do this thing. And I'm not a morning person, but it was okay. We got up, we went out and sat in a field and a minister got up and they handed out scones and they had cups of tea. And we shared a communion service together with young people around this unifying idea of Jesus as Lord. And we did church on the lawn, watching the sunrise in the Alice. I remember uh, my band was, I used to be, a, I, I used to be cool. <laughs> no, I want that. <laughs> my kids are like, Dad, stop it. We, we used to play at a festival called uh, Easterfest. It was, used to be called the Australian Gospel Music Festival. And the, the organiser rang me on the Saturday and said, tomorrow morning the band that was supposed to lead the, the, the church service thing, the Sunrise Church Service, has pulled out. Can you sort something out? So just in case you're wondering how I ended up doing this kind of job, pulling musos from everywhere and getting them together, this is just my normal day. This is a normal day. So I ran, I ran around all of the different bands and some of them were very well-known musicians and, and quite famous in that scene. And they all said, yeah, Jazz, we'll get together. So we... We pulled a few songs out of the sky that everybody knew, you know, trying to find a song that everyone can sing. And we got together and it was about eight o'clock in the morning and it had been raining all night. And anyone that's ever been to a rock festival, you know, getting up the next morning and covering, you know, it's like, I'm not doing that. But all like a thousand kids came to this service and we just led worship and I came up with a sermon and we went for it and we did church together. And it's still beautiful to me because it was one of those things that just the energy of people getting together made the praise and worship lift and made the moment worth something. Because it wasn't just me in my bedroom. It was us doing church together and singing together with a bunch of musicians that I barely met, but we all just grabbed something and we had one sound and one, one direction and one idea that we would just bring people together. I remember sitting, uh, I've been through all sorts of different movements of church life, I've done house church and uh, I don't know, there's, a, there's emergent church and church with your shoes on, church with your shoes off, church where you have to have a three-piece suit and church where if you show up in a three-piece suit, you're kind of weird. All, all of the above. I've done uh, Congolese church, one of Belgian Joy, Pastor Belgian Joy in Geelong. Uh, we, we helped them um, set up uh, the... the um, Congolese congregation, we call it the Swahili service. And I loved going to Swahili church because if you thought white church was loud, you've got nothing. Go to, go to Swahili service, man, that'll blow your ears off and bless you as you fall backwards in the spirit. That's, <laughs> it's good fun going to Swahili church. I, I went to Sri Lanka one time with a bunch from our church and, uh, and, and we did church in the basement of this little building and the drummer was on the drums and he started playing the drums and anyone that's played the drums, this drum at the bottom is called the kick drum and you hit it with a hammer and if it's not anchored to the floor, it moves forward. So I sat in front of the kick drum whilst he did praise Jesus stuff on the drums and we did church together. Church is just fun, it's fun, it's fun. It's an audacious unity that brings us together. We don't come here for an argument. We come here for our cups to be filled, for our life to be filled. So what's your turning point? Why on earth are you here in person and online? Why are you here? What's your witness? What is it that started this whole thing in the first place? Check this out. What's your hunger? What's your hunger like right now? Is your hunger at like, yeah, I could take a nipple? Or is your hunger like, no, I'm desperate for Jesus right now? Any desperate for Jesus, people? Because you should be. That's just where it keeps moving. What's your witness? What's your hunger? What's your habit? 
What's your habit? Is your habit you have to force yourself out of bed in the morning? Or is your habit, I wanna get together with the people of Jesus because we are from every nation on earth, every tongue is spoken. But when we get together, my goodness, I feel better for it. I feel better for it. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus stood and asked one of His disciples, and this is your first reading for this week. I kid you not, it's your first reading for this week. Get into the habits, the, the little piece of paper that's on your, paper, on, your, on, your, on your chair or on the app. You are Peter, the rock. Why did Jesus say that to Peter? Because He'd said to Peter, who do you say that I am? Others say that you're Elijah. Others say that you're one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? And He says, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You are the real deal because I've witnessed it and I've watched our hunger grow and we've matured to this audacious unity where we will follow you, we will gather with you even, even though they wanna kill us for it. Even though the Pharisees wanna dob on us for it, we're gonna keep gathering together. And He said, you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Do you know why I don't do church quiet? <laughs> and I don't mean have quiet time and have silent time and have contemplative time. But when you get people together from a diverse range of backgrounds, it's gonna get noisy. It's gonna get noisy. And it might get dissonant at times. But to find unity, we need to come back to this idea that it still starts with one. It still starts with one that has witnessed the Saviour and said, you are who you said you were. One that has hungered after the things of God. Jesus actually said to him, earthly, earthly wisdom has not revealed this to you. This has been revealed from heaven. You have understood that Jesus is who He said He was, that He is the Messiah. You've understood that. And now from that confession, from that confession, Peter's confession was his starting point. Your confession is your starting point. Your witness leads you to confession. This was the turning point for many of the Jews because they saw Jesus do something incredible. If Jesus has done something, incredible in your life, you have a witness and you have a reason to get together and tell other people the story. That's why we sing. That's why we pray. That's why we praise. But a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. So church, let's do it. Full of belief. Full of belief. Confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps His Word. He always keeps it. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshipping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. My friends, by yourself, you are a Christian. Together, we are the church. This is a good habit. Let's keep it going explore what it means to chase after this audacious unity of gathering together, of meeting as regularly as we can so that everybody's heart is lifted by the witness you have of Jesus, our Saviour. Father God, thank You for what You teach us through Your Word. Thank You for who You are. Thank You for the grace that is abundant. Thank You for the truth that comes and pierces the darkness. Thank You for the light that cannot be stopped. Thank You that You are Jesus. We confess that You are our Saviour. We confess that You have changed our lives. And we confess 
that we have fallen short, but you have the grace and the goodness to reach out and keep holding us together. As a fellowship, would you hold us together? We pray for the churches in this city. Would you hold them together? We pray for the churches in our nation. Would you hold them together? We pray for the churches around the world. Would you hold them together in nations where it is illegal to meet like this? Would you keep inspiring the saints and give us the words, the prayers, the ability to give and to encourage in nations right now that are at war and saying God is on their side and the other country saying no God is on our side would you meet those people in the middle and remind them of your grace and your truth your truth that comforts that guides that leads that audacious unity that brings people together under the banner of Jesus we pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world and we ask that we would be reminded that we are just one small part of something incredibly large incredibly beautiful and incredibly audacious in its unity under your name Jesus Amen.